0: Hello all you cats, dogs, and other friends in the animal kingdom. Pat Brennan here welcoming you to episode one of season one of Beyond Believers. Today we're going to be discussing the first side of the 45 years young debut album of Elvis Costello, My Aim is True. Joining me is the Cleveland-born Columbus-raised Aaron Braddis. Aaron's a writer, he's a music fan, bagpiper, and a truly hilarious guest as you will soon hear. He's currently learning Polish, and has a passion for tattoos. His favorite albums of 2022 include Alex G, Ethel Kane, and So Glow. He's currently working on an album of the year write-up on Anxious' debut, Little Green House. Over the course of covering side A of My Aim is True, we'll consider such heavy questions as how raunchy each track is on a scale of one to five, is a Costello classic secretly a murder ballad, and is this album really about an outsider looking in, and dreaming of the big time. Join us, won't you? See if you can believe. Getting this thing started, welcome to the debut episode of Beyond Believers, the definitive Elvis Costello fan podcast. This is our debut episode, episode number one. So thank you for joining us at the beginning and we appreciate your forgiveness as we work our way through this and figure it out. Uh, with me today, here in the gentle, cool evening breezes of the lovely Sierra Madre, California, is my good friend Aaron Bradis. Aaron, welcome to Thanks. Young Believers.
1: Thank you for having me here, Pat. I appreciate it.
0: So with this podcast, we're going to be going through Elvis Costello, kind of everything, doing a deep dive in general. Everything from his discography, side projects, albums he produced... Things he's written, artwork, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So this is, as I said, our debut episode talking about first album released on July twenty second, nineteen seventy seven. Uh, just three weeks before Elvis passed away in Memphis, my aim is true. So tell us, what was your, uh, what is your kind of connection to Costello, if at all, and um, and how you got to, uh, how you got to explore my aim is true and be here.
1: Yeah, so my own experience with Elvis Costello is not, honestly, very much. Um, When I, a few summers ago, um, I did like a, you know the 33 and a 3rd books? Yeah. So I did like a challenge to kind of self-educate on contemporary American pop music. So Mm -hmm. I made it my goal to listen to every album from that series. Oh, wow. And at some point, Elvis Costello's Armed Forces came up. Right. And that was what I listened to from him. And at that moment in my life, it wasn't a big hitter for me. And, it, and it's also an album that is... I mean, these are outside of other big albums. Sign of the Times by Prince, Joy Division's Unknown Pleasures. Like, all of these are mentioned in that book. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, like, yeah. of course, some other things. Bjork's Homogenic, which is one of my favorite albums, probably of mm-hmm. all time. So it was kind of just a number and a long list. Yeah, so for sure. when you... Asked me about this, um, I thought you know the experience that I can bring is that I don't have experience that I can mm-hmm. be kind of a blank slate a little bit. So I don't, I honestly don't know if I could have even named an Elvis Costello track before this. I that's just,
0: that's totally cool because honestly, I invited you on because of your general music knowledge because I feel like that's so much of our friendship has just been like. Spending hours talking about like how this is connected to that and how you know all these different influences like coalesce around each other. And you know, you, when we talked about doing this episode, talked about like the idea of the debut album and like what that means and just how important that is in an artist's career. And, um, you brought up uh, when you were talking about your notes about like the Rolling Stone, I think they had a list. Top, they always yeah. do the top the top twenty debut albums and stuff and this this is on it, isn't it?
1: Um, I'm I'm pretty sure I didn't I so I looked at the top debut albums. So, you didn't from, have to yeah, do any homework. one, one to twenty, film. just so we could mm-hmm. potentially later in this episode look at epi- look at these albums and potentially discuss like the so sophomore I, I
0: put a lot of handiwork into this. But uh <laughs> <laughs> Um Yeah, no, uh, it's, uh, that's totally cool. This at least stands out for me as like one of the best first albums. And I feel like it's also just a great first album to start with as somebody getting into Elvis Costello because it's so, it's so accessible. It's, it's very weird to think that it came out in the same year as like, Never mind the bollocks you know the Sex Pistols debut or any of the other like punk albums of that time because it doesn't feel very punk at all but it is it is kind of it has that if it doesn't have like that punk energy in terms of like its tempo and everything it is um it does have like it has that kind of energy of like hey look at me i am you know as here i am here's here are my songs there's more than a little like chutzpah confidence i think to it that is very much like look at me yeah of like an excitable 22 year old with songs just pouring out of them uh that that comes across
1: yeah i definitely would put this into like a post-punk category potentially yeah uh, as well as like
0: came out in 77 Yeah, yeah
1: like a lot of pub rock there's like some doo-wop type of moments Very um, much so. yeah it feels like a swearing allowed on this Types of fun it, yeah it's it, it feels like a young person that said fuck you I'm going to make an album the way I want to make it and it's got to be not nice it's got to be ego inflated and it's going to <laughs> I'm going to say what I want yeah and yeah. when I listen to it I didn't know whether to expect a concept album, so I just yeah. went in without any type of My Aim is true. Yeah. And um Costello album
0: where he plays Cupid traveling
1: through <laughs> on the London subway. <laughs> you know, it was to me it was I didn't so much see it as a concept album, it might be one, but I saw it almost as a character sketch album. We get to the outline mm-hmm. I interpreted it as a kid who's like young and learning who is making his way through the world, who has kind of main character syndrome. And.
0: my <laughs> <laughs> hey God, it's so true. And I say this as somebody who absolutely loves this album and is like just all in on it. But yeah. Yeah.
1: It's, it's interesting. It like, it's, it kind of start, it feels like a coming of age album where you're absolutely. seeing a young man who is finding his sexuality is definitely posturing, trying to flaunt his machismo. Yeah, for sure. what I really liked about it was, like, how on the nose it felt. Like, how almost, like, quote, nice guy it was. But then as we go, we start to hear kind of this creep in of, like, the media influence and him noticing things around him. Like, the song that mentions, is it Mosley, who is the... Yeah, Less Than Zero. Yeah, that is... Mm -hmm um a nazi in britain and it's like talking about the
0: british union of fascists yeah
1: and you start to see almost how the media
0: hitler wannabe yes he like is wannabe but like england was just not like you know when it came to fascism they're just like oh that that's cute thanks (laughs) but no thanks
1: As, as you listen to it it's like this sense of the media and sense of the world around him is opening up and it's starting to, I feel like we see that in the culmination of, I think, is it the last track that's about the detective? Watching it, the detectives. And yeah. it's like this weird mixture of truth and reality. He dreams,
0: because it's not even like a fully fleshed out narrative. It has a kind of dream yes. logic to it where things kind of get intense. He, um, well, we'll get more later into like the story behind that, but that very much I, I would agree completely. Yeah, that it's very much like about like what, yeah, that it has it has this very much looking at the world um kind of thing. Sorry. Oh Continue. no,
1: no, all all good. Um, the first song, "Welcome to the Working Week," to me, I think that's what set the tone is like being part of that nine to five commute and the how mundane it is and yeah. the banality of that type of reality, and then. Living in your head, finding escapism through that bravado, through making up these kind of false narratives about women around you. Yeah, Um,
0: absolutely.
1: He's a very horny man. He (laughs) is. Well,
0: he is, you know, it's, so it's interesting. Uh, I really appreciate that you brought that up because it's not necessarily something that occurred to me. I almost feel, I almost feel at times as though, from my perspective, Elvis Costello On My Aim is true and maybe some of the albums that follow is like he's the only asexual person walking around. (laughs) He's just watching all of this devious like (laughs) sex stuff go down as though he's like walking through the Soho sex industry in London and just being like, oh my God, look at this ridiculous like shit that's going on. It's almost like a very classic debut album in the sense that it's like It's an outsider looking in. He sees all of this, like, kind of beautiful, like, or purported to be beautiful stuff, or glamour and fame. And he sees the uh, allure of it, but also, Mm -hmm. like, the danger of it, the hollowness of it, all of that stuff. I mean, you were talking about riding the train, waiting for the end of the world. Yeah. Again, is another thing where it's kind of like this. Crazy, almost like Bob Dylan, like esque kind of dream, like thing where it's yeah, like, like this thing random. happened and then this happens and this person crashes into this person. And I feel like the outsider looking in is and looking at things through the media. I mean, he mentions newspapers, he mentions yeah. the radio, he mentions the television, he mentions like everything. Um, and so many of the songs are inspired by things that he. Uh, observed himself and then just took to the next to the next level to give a little bit of like context for how this album came together it was recorded in 11 hours over the course of (laughs) three days the band that he has for it is not the band who's going to be with him going forward for the majority of his discography for at least the next 10 years it's um, a band called clover they were a band from Marin County, like around San Francisco, and they recorded a couple of like critically acclaimed but very like obscure albums. They're kind of it's you can find them on Spotify. They're a little bit bandish, like is in the band. The band, yeah. Um, who again is a huge influence on Elvis Costello. So Clover is kind of very kind of bandish, but very country ish rock. And they got brought over in his words it in Costello's words it like just about the worst time to go over to England because it was right as punk was breaking and you were yeah. think you're talking about how it almost sounds post punk it's interesting because Costello kind of put he put a little bit of he kind of used a little bit of the punk thing to kind of almost to help his
1: career to mm-hmm. be kind of looped in with that. He like, so he like appropriated a little bit, yeah, a which, little which bit. Which feels like a very punk thing to do. At well, the it's same a time. very it's a
0: very smart thing. Yeah, thing. it's a
1: very savvy
0: career thing for him to do. And he refers to it in in his memoir, Unfaithful Music and Disappearing Ink, is what it's called. I recommend checking it out. Obviously, particularly if you can get the audiobook of it because he reads it and it's it's awesome. But he talks, he keeps talking about punk as like the London thing. And he always makes, he makes a really important point that all this stuff is happening in London and he is living, I forget what the suburb is called, but he's in the suburbs. He's like in the kind of leafy suburban streets. He never grew up like in the heart of London or East End. He was also, he was kind of, he was pretty solidly middle class. Um, His dad was a singer. So again, it's kind of like he has a little bit of a showbiz background. Not the kind of thing that's gonna like get him ahead, like a kind yeah. of nepotism thing. But he has, he grows up with the idea that like music is work, and that it is a job, and it's not a kind of fanciful thing. But at the time, he is he has a job. He is a computer operator <laughs> for uh, Elizabeth Arden, the the cosmetics company. And he most of my aim is true was him was recorded like by him calling in sick for work and going down to the studio and recording this album. So the band Clover, their kind of biggest claim to fame is the person in the band who doesn't play on this album, who is their singer and get and harmonica player, who is Huey Lewis. Wow. Who then becomes? Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah. Hit to b square, like that guy was like down at the bar, like getting drunk and probably chasing women, like, and that's like while the rest of the band was working um, with Costello, and they rehearsed it at Headley Grange, which is one of those big like estates in the country. You know all of the the rock bands when they needed to like get together for an album or yeah. a tour, they're like, "We got to get it together in the country. <laughs> we got to go to the country, man, and get yeah, it together." I know, Paul. I uh, know, no, no we got to lay off the, ha- we got to put down the heroin and go to the country, <laughs> <laughs> some fresh air. It'll do us good. Um, it makes me think of like nail and I, like just rain and like English misery, but like <laughs> so they go to this place, and this was a, formerly a Victorian workhouse. Which oh. is like you know like if you like Oliver Twist type yeah. shit, and then they turned it into a place where rock bands could get it together in the country, and it was actually <laughs> where where Zeppelin hung out and where they purportedly wrote Stairway to Heaven. Wow. Yeah. So, but when Costello got there, it was pretty rundown and like full of rats. And like <laughs> he's like he has a thing in the liner notes for My Name Is True where he's like I, he's like I wake up. He's like to the sound of like rats scuttling around my feet and I try to fall asleep with the lights on. Like, he's like, I was making a record the next day. Like, so there is this kind of like very, you know, um, kind of a thing where it's like, it's kind of post-punk, but it's, it's almost like not really acknowledging punk that much. I feel like. And it's attitude. It's. Yeah, I would say it is, but the thing the thing that's so interesting about this is there is that bite to the songs and the lyrics, but Clover is so, yeah. Like, yeah. you know, you think of a song it's like catchy. Sneaky Feet, they swing yeah. in a way that's like just so laid back and we're just, you know, just playing at the bar. Like, come on down, guys. This yeah. this is, and I feel like that combined with like this like machine gun wordplay and yeah. everything is like plays such a, it's such an interesting contrast between the two of them.
1: Yeah, it's like a very... Kind of like Allison feels like a Last Call song. Like Smoky Bar. That's so interesting. Um, so why don't
0: we go ahead and just jump into what we're going to go track by track. And we'll just head into sure. it that way. Yeah. Um, and then we can kind of talk composition and talk, you know, f- impressions and notes. We can hear the Amazon truck outside making a delivery. Thank you, Jeff. I never heard that before. Thank you, Jeff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Praise
1: Bezos. Quit, Bezos we pray. Under his um. eye.
0: <laughs> <laughs> May the Lord open. Jesus. May the all right, open. all right. Okay, welcome okay. To the, welcome to the working week. Welcome to the working week. Welcome to the working week. I love that the opening line of this song has. You were talking about how horny this album is.
1: It's such a raunchy the album.
0: It is really raunchy, and I think you know. I think that's uh, it's gonna make me re. I'm gonna rethink that when I listen to this album because the first time I heard it, it was six. I was 16, and I was just like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I'm all in on this
1: <laughs> I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm all in on this perv. <laughs> There's something relatable about. At least as a young man yeah. doing this, it's like I saw myself stumbling. I saw myself in parts of this album stumbling through yep. finding out my identity, yep. yep, and kind of trying to balance ego at that age. Sure, thinking I'm like I moved out here to pursue a career in film, yeah. and uh, my thought at that age is if I didn't do, if I wasn't successful at that. I was nothing and I was like I'm gonna look at this 10 years from now and be like why would you not have why do you not try if I didn't at least go but then I thought once I was here I was like at parties and I was trying to talk about like Ingmar Bergman and I was Mm -hmm. trying to talk about like Kieślowski shit like that and people aren't talking to me about that and I was getting like these people they don't get it
0: if only we had met in college (laughs) we would have been those two dudes (laughs) in the corner the the snarkiest around the keg just being
1: like is this an IPA? Oh.
0: Oh man, so Decalogue Part 3. Uh, it's fantastic, man. It's I, so I, bleak. That's how bleak life is,
1: man. I, I've probably been like for sure. Like I wouldn't have seen it been like, for sure, you seen like Donnie Darko? Like <laughs> oh, Dark Darko. Oh, like, man. For... I come
0: home from class every day, I smoke <laughs> a bowl and watch Donnie Darko. Like, Alright, back to Welcome to the Working Week. <laughs> so, anyways, such a horny album. Opens with the line Now that your pictures paper. Now that your picture's in the paper being rhythmically admired. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that's just the beginning. I mean, it's, it starts off sweet. There's, like, even oohs and ahs around it, and then it's... All you gotta tell me now is wow, 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 wow.
2: Welcome to the work in a week. Oh, I know it don't thrill you. I hope it don't kill you. Welcome to the work in a week. You gotta do it till you do it till you
0: get it. A- So I feel like it's, it might arguably be the most directly punk song, maybe on the whole album. I mean, like in terms of like, it's like four, four, it's like three chords. It's done in 90 seconds.
1: It, it sets the tone for the entire album. After hearing it for the first time, I was just like, I love when an album makes a, an opener track that feels like an intro. And this felt like yeah. a statement, yeah. and I was hooked in immediately, and I was like, mm-hmm. let me hear what you have to say.
0: Yeah. I think there's also a little bit of, like again, what I what's so interesting about this and so interesting about debut albums is the idea of, look at me, Look at my wordplay, but there's also just like, welcome to the working week. Work sucks. You know what I mean, man? I, like, isn't I, it tough? It's hard out there. I know what you're work going Work sucks, I know. Work sucks, I know. Going, like, going through it,
1: and I, yeah. It appeals to, it, like, so many people. Like, sure, no matter sure. what the age, like, most people are not. Most people hate their job. Yeah, they aren't um, <laughs> living to work, like, no. honestly. <laughs> no.
0: Oh, come on, man. You gotta get to with the... Got it with the 2022 <laughs> capitalism man. Work is where it's at. So I, yes. I'd work all the time if I could. Under his eye. <laughs> Under Jeff's eye. Yeah, <laughs> I know the. I bet that Amazon guy out there feels the exact same way we do. All right. And so, now
1: we actually have the Amazon guy coming in now. <laughs> we do. Okay, <Do> oh, <laughs> hey, come on in. No,
0: no, thank God. Um, I'm really, just trying to deliver a package. Um. Hey, you guys. All right. Here. <laughs> Track two is Miracle Man.
2: Oh,
0: this is another one of these things where again like i was saying before we went on our amazon tangent work is life tangent the idea that he's like kind of playing at like this is again i feel like there's there's this song and then it's like also like blame it on Kane. There's these things where it's just like, oh man, like I just can't get through, like to yeah. people. I'm so misunderstood. And like, don't you think I know walking on the water won't make me a miracle man? And there's a little bit of this that I feel like there's somebody who I didn't think of until I really deep listened on this album, and that's John Lennon. Mm-hmm. Like John Lennon's solo stuff, like oh, this yeah. has a little bit of like something like the ballad of John and Yoko. Like, you know how hard it can be? Like, they're going to crucify me, man. It's so hard. Like, and again, like being a miracle man, walking on the water, you know, so I, I've always had a soft spot for this one. I also think like the band just sounds so good on this, like. I just I always love the the lyrics are just great. What is it? Um you always ask me what I you never asked me what I wanted. You only asked me why. I never thought that so much trouble was resting on my reply. Again, it's like this podcast is going to be a lot of quoting the lyrics in general, so on, and, buckle and, up, folks. It's another killer Costello line and we're only on track <laughs> to
1: And I know that that line obviously and it's obviously. not a sexual one either. So. There's but some you know, there's, there's some sexual sex, stuff yeah, in yeah, there. Yeah. Um but like, that also feels like a very apt line for nowadays in the kind of like dating swipe culture of like, waiting on replies. Like, am I gonna fuck yeah. this up? Yeah. With yeah. Re- am I overthinking this reply? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. it's also kind of an emo song in a way. Like, oh, very I, much. I maybe you can speak to this more. Did Morrissey listen to Elvis Costello at all? Or I wouldn't. Well, you know, I mean, he's.
0: I'll, I'll say the one thing he's definitely not. Doing unlike is he's not watching the news. Yeah, uh, he just he just, watched, just, stri- he's just, just watching he's just watching himself in the mirror. Yeah, <laughs> probably does that about eight hours a day. Um, <laughs> I'm not I'm not familiar with exactly what what Sean Patrick was up to, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised because I mean the Smiths are very much right after this. Yeah, and I mean the king of he's the king of self pity. Oh yeah, for sure in lyrics and. I wouldn't be surprised if something, like, I mean, I could see Morrissey and the Smiths yeah. covering this. But like, it's also interesting, because it's like, I could also hear, like, I could also hear, like, somebody, like like, saves the day, like, cover this. <laughs> like, or Get Up Kids, <laughs> like... Get an emo, get an emo yeah. Costello, uh, oh, Costello like, yeah. cover album. Oh my God! Joyce
1: Manor could do it. Like yeah. modern baseball could have done it. Uh, um, oh my
0: God! Modern baseball in particular, <laughs> yeah, would be, yeah, 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 absolutely. I
1: I do want and to and just talk... like
0: take the tempo like up to eleven. Oh yeah, yeah. Ba, 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 ba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get some whiny lyrics or yeah. or, or, or whiny. You vocals. already got them. Yeah, you already got them They're here. Um,
1: I just, uh, I guess, uh, go back to ranch meter. <laughs> what is your thought on oh <laughs> on this line? And you were the only one who'd come. Is that in regards to someone literally arriving? Well, I should or say the a night, double entendre. The
0: the line, isn't it? Uh, was it like something like I think about the something like yeah, the nights. Nice. I could say. I could say, yeah, I could say it was the nights when I was lonely and you were the only one who'd come. I could tell you that I like your sensitivity when you know it's the way that you walk. Yeah, 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 I mean. You know what? I think we need to, I think we need to give this, I think we need to do a a raunch factor for each of these
1: songs. Oh, definitely. There's a lot Um, of like, and I think that's what to me feels so youthful. I did not
0: see this coming. So youthful. I did not see
1: this coming. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Like he makes some like really. (laughs)
0: I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here. I appreciate
1: it. I, I see because I like how poignant his lyrics are yeah but then he'll throw something in that's just fucking raunchy <laughs> like it's like it, mi- it mixes that highbrow with low like low gutter very well oh, in yeah. a way that feels like it captures youth and that's why I think for me it feels very relevant because I feel like I would do I still do that sometimes
0: oh for sure well it's also it is interesting how some when you get into some of the songs about like sexual relationships and like the pitfalls of things like that because he is somebody who will then go on to have some pretty like high profile affairs with people and will his first marriage will end in divorce due to infidelity on his pretty end? much oh yeah oh yeah dang. and he always th- talks he's pretty he's pretty merciless with himself in Kinda his memoir about like and in if you read the liner notes for the reissues there's a really great uh Elvis Costello wiki by the way that has liner notes lyrics the whole shebang anything you could possibly want to know about the guy other than listening to this fine podcast. Sponsored by Audible. Pretty... <laughs> oh, I wish. I wish. Audible, if you want to sponsor me, are you kidding me? Let's not. I will record promos for every prime show that I love, which is more than a few. So get at me, Jeff. <laughs> but um I was just saying, like, it's um it's very yeah. It it is kind of. He says that he wrote a lot of these songs as almost like cautionary tales for himself, but he then failed to take his own advice. So I guess at the end of this, as we finish up, Miracle Man, I'm, we're only on track too. It's kind of important for for a bit. <laughs> what um what what are the so should we do? I think we should do a ranch factor for every, like on a say one to five or one to ten.
1: Um. I think like one to five is... One to five? Yeah. Okay.
0: I would give
1: this a raunch factor of maybe three. I'd give it a three. I think okay. that she's got a 10-inch bamboo cigarette holder. Ooh, could yeah. also she's be...
0: She's got a 10-inch cigarette holder.
1: Very visual, very phallic. Like,
0: Yeah, yeah, okay. I didn't, this that, is a whole other dimension. That I'm could be a reach. You. That could be a major ah, reach. But. You know what? Still, I think my, it kicks it into three. What do we give
1: Welcome to the Working Week? seems that, like a pretty standard track right for raunch factor not yeah, not too much maybe like of a, like a, a two
0: yeah that's a two out of five okay so moving right along we continue the the, the sexual metaphors here yeah. with no
1: dancing yeah and i think we should get nude at this part <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll be right back okay. oh i know
2: that she has been a
1: Hey, we're back. We're back we, in MeUndies. <laughs> <laughs> Offer code BeyondBelievers at check out BeyondBelievers twenty yes. for twenty percent off your MeUndies <laughs> order. Uh, uh, boy can dream.
0: Boy can dream for sure. So this to me, to get back to, to get back to the music, yeah. man. Yeah. It's about the music. Always. This is musically maybe the least interesting t- track on the album for me. It's, I mean, I like it's got the the be my baby beat, the boom, boom, psh. Yeah, I it do. I'm, is, a, I'm a sucker for that. I am beat. a sucker for that too, and I do like it lends the sense of drama to it, which is, you know, I mean, it's what is he? You know, there's gonna be no more dancing. I'm a little confused with the lyrics. I think it's like a guy who. Again, it's these kind of like media filtration. This guy who's read like pulpy romance novels and is trying to use substitute that for human experience with uh to spice things up with somebody. And it just there's gonna be no dancing. Yeah, yeah, I think the verse that horizontal
1: or otherwise or 69.
0: (laughs) Man, it's horizontal. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Why? That's true. I think you just kicked the raunch factor up on this song. (laughs) Well done. All right, talk. That's
1: actually what no dancing is about but but the line now he's telling her every little thing he
2: is done
1: definitely feels like posturing it feels like oh, yeah. Um, the classic like movie trope. I remember. So there's a I have a, a antidote, I guess. When I was, I think I was in like Dollywood. Do you have an antidote for oh, no I, dancing, I, I, or do you have an antidote? A- I have an anecdote. Okay. So I was. At, I think it was Dollywood. With, you went to Dollywood. Yeah, with my family. When Amazing. I was when I was little, I think I was in fourth grade. My cousin was there, who's in fifth grade. Uh huh. Um. He was telling me that he got a blowjob, and I did not know. What that meant, I thought it had to do with a hair dryer. I had, I, okay. I knew it was supposed to feel good, but I had to posture. Hair dryers feel good. Yeah, I had to posture back and be like, yeah, oh for sure. I was like, nice man, nice. This was fourth grade. I was in fourth. He was in fifth grade. There's no way that he got a blowjob. <laughs> Absolutely Wait, no way. Man,
0: he's a ten year old. Okay, he knows things more. Right?
1: Than- we're not. This is not even the age of the internet yet. Like, oh, like, wow. like well, we're of course. Ass, we're, we're still able to ask Jeeves stuff. Like, this isn't. This isn't that point Internet where Butler yeah like sex ed look
0: up websites for-
1: but it kind of reminds me of that of just yeah. like the kind of like one upping especially men do oh, growing yeah. up in certain area. I all, sure. all areas I think all areas you was know say, that's, yeah that's a yeah. universal that's thing a universal thing sure. uh, especially with media involved also being children who I guess like the American pie generation you know oh yeah like just shows you that this something like this has been around for so long and it's just for sure
0: yeah and i mean it's also because so much especially like you know it's 1977 you're coming off you said com- social you should... is it coming i i'm gonna be saying it okay. a lot okay. i don't know how that's the last album I'm, very... I'm not i'm not gonna no, beat that one yeah are you yeah. kidding me i mean it's it is what it is yeah we're we're, we're in too deep um oh God. <laughs> i think we could go deeper <laughs> Maybe you can. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Um. Anyways, so it's
1: come. No, you can say arriving I- arriving
0: yeah. at the at the what is sort of the tail end of or at least like the crashing of the wave of like the sexual revolution coming 1977. There are so much. There's so. I mean, literally, we have seen the creation of the at least the beginning of the genre known as cock rock. Oh, like and so all of this stuff, like think of like Led Zeppelin or the Rolling Stones or, album. Oh with God, the, Stones, w- with Sticky the album. Fingers with, with, the... with Joe D'Alessandro's crotch on the front. Yeah. yeah, Sticky Fingers. Um, and so for you know, you've also got um, you know, every you know Marvin Gay, you know, you've got Let's Get It On. You have if well, that's that might be after this, but anyways sexual healing all of his stuff um yeah. and so to have this song where he's like i'm gonna write a song about somebody who can't who can't complete it there's gonna be no dancing tonight this is this is, this is the cold bucket of water I'm oh pouring yeah on the, i'm pouring on the sexual revolution so. well
1: yeah and a lot of that seems like it's maybe it's this person's own anxiety about like it's performance anxiety oh sure potentially yeah yeah, yeah. no dancing
0: yeah, yeah yeah, absolutely i think so all right i feel like we've we've said our yeah piece. yeah Give it a raunch factor, I guess, of four, simply because of its subject matter. Oh, yeah. (laughs) All right, moving on to track four, Blame It On Kane. I give this song a raunch factor of zero. Yeah.
1: (laughs) this was the one that started to put the album in allow me to step back and see the album as like one single statement of like Okay. This is the more serious like take on, you know, taxes. You I love know? a good song about taxes. <laughs> but or just <laughs> Those like government it, 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 burglars.
0: And- they took they took our money again. <laughs> Ugh. Oh, thank God Margaret Thatcher's right around the corner. <laughs> God. She's gonna make everything right. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, know Once upon
2: a time I had a little money
0: cover my burglars took it
2: long Before I could bail it to you still you are the only one That I can't let it slip away So
0: here come Like the Republican. This to me feels like a little bit of I'm playing a character. Almost like the beginning of like a John Prine song. Okay. There's a couple of things in it where it's, you know, the government might try to, the man with the ticker tape tries to take it. Everyone's doing this to me and that to me, but you know what? I still love you, baby. Like it's very, it's a, it's kind of a, it's a little bit of a trope song to me. And also, It also reminds me of John Prine a lot because it has a little bit of a has a little bit of a a like like a story to it and I do I also feel like John Prine would have written a line like the beginning of the last verse where he's like
2: A too long.
0: Like that's a really funny line, and I feel like that seems very much like the kind of thing that John Prime would say with a southern drawl and a lot slower. <laughs> and like it'd be just him in an acoustic guitar. Yeah, but, but um but yeah, what were you, what you were saying before where you feel like that this actually brings the themes or whatever yeah yeah because i feel like whatever
1: because yeah for me i see this my portrayal of, or i guess my um translation of this is like this is this album is elvis costello doing like just an introspective th- uh, moment and just kind of looking at himself i think q said is kind of like in a way a cliche or a trope type song yeah because it's something when you're young something everyone agrees on is taxes suck and you,
0: know, you it, get that first paycheck. Yeah and
1: you see how much is taken. How
0: much is taken out. Even if you're in like the reddest of a red state. Like I was working in Virginia, and still be like, What? Yeah. Really?
1: It was shocking. Yeah. It's like I worked really hard for this. And that's something yeah, that like you get
0: that first check, you're like, yeah.
1: When you're 16 years old, you start mm-hmm. learning about it. And I feel like mm-hmm. this is a moment where he can make a stand. This like, if the album is one person, they can make a stand and be like, look, I get it. Like I've been around. Yeah. I get it.
0: Yeah, I think so. I, I, I see that. I um And
1: again, this is my own interpretation of which is
0: why you're here. Which is why you're here. I, I I totally see that. I um I just it's I enjoy it. I mean the thing that really carries me for this song is this as much as any song is really the one where I think it's John McPhee is the lead guitar player on this album. Uh, for Clover really gets to like stretch out and actually solo a little bit and I'm somebody who usually doesn't have a lot of patience for guitar solos in general in fact yeah. like the dirtier the simpler the like more distorted and the shorter the better yeah. most of my favorite solos are like under 30 seconds and he only has like a few bars here to stretch out but I feel like he really carries it and I feel like it's It's very like clover doing like a mid tempo, like kind of bar bandy again. It's swing.
2: It
0: It becomes like a, a big Costello songwriting things, but he loves he loves those like pauses, so you're not satisfied. So you're not satisfied. You know, there's he has these like brings you up and then crashes down, and there's a lot of that. There's kind of like a bum, ba, bum bum bum, bum 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 bum. Like it, it's it's really I, I mean it's to musically this song is really fun to me. In a way that the lyrics are, I'm kind of like, okay, like I, I see where yeah. it's where it kind
1: of is because it kind of feels like it gets off the path of like this, this character who's
0: like, I think it's on the album for two reasons. I think it's on the album because it is a strong song. Yeah, I think it's also on the album because you need to bring the tempo back up okay. after after no dancing, and that's why I think it is. And it's a song I've almost never, I've seen Costello. 15 times in concert he's never played it i might have seen him he might he has a concert of a dvd of a show in memphis he might have played it on that but it's pretty rare blame it on kane doesn't get a ton of honestly the first four songs that we're hearing here don't get a lot of of concert rotation but they are but i feel like that's Blame It On Kane serves a purpose of bringing you up after no dancing, which I feel like, personally, is a little bit of a letdown. But it sounds a lot like Miracle Man, so it wouldn't be good to have them right after each other. They have that same kind of mid-tempo pub rock thing that... Again, pub rock. It's an English thing, but this is an American band. Whatever. Um, (laughs) All right, so in terms of uh, songs that don't get played much in concert, we're about to go to a song that gets played pretty much every Every single concert that i've seen him
1: do i mean this is a sexy song it's allison
0: oh by the way so Ronch factor of zero for yeah determine that for blame i'm not i'm not
1: i'm not hard so moving
0: on (laughs) you heard it here first so (laughs) on to on to track five which is allison
1: allison Bonafide classic. The, the, I mean, the title
0: is the, from, title. the title.
1: of this album is from this
0: song. It's from this song, absolutely. My name is True. A couple of things, just fun facts about Allison. He said for years in interviews, and I remember actually hearing him on a TV show saying this, that he wrote this song inspired by a beautiful girl he saw at like a checkout at a grocery store. And he was like, Sh- so beautiful. And like scant cans of beans. Oh hell yeah! Delicious English beans. (laughs) (laughs) Island renowned for its cuisine. Jeez, and it's just like utterly defeated by life. And I think we all know, like, we all know in Allison where it's like somebody who was, like, the beauty queen, the you know in high school or something like that. They peaked sooner than later. Yeah, and you see them, and you're just like, you've seen them hit one, two, three bad relationships and it's just you're just kind of like oh geez and so it's like he saw that and he went back and he wrote the song that's complete bullshit really yes he says it in the book he describes this like i've always said that i wrote the song allison blah 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 i was daydreaming oh again he's like this is pop music yeah so it's again What I love about that and that's the beginning of the chapter in the book which is all about the recording of my aim is true it's the it's the one called unfaithful music because it's literally like this is not it's not what this it is, is yeah. this is art this is work this is writing the same way a writer would write a short story this is me doing this so yeah. it's kind of like but it's also so it is kind of a like it's great press it's great copy to say that this is where that song came from because we all know it we can all see it and we can all we've all heard that song in some way or another and we all know that we all know that person and if we're unlucky we've been that person so that's what makes (sighs) it you know when when they're like
2: oh it's so funny to be seeing you after so long girl Understand that you were not impressed, but I heard you let that little friend of mine take off your part of dress.
0: Yeah, you know, and then there's the was it? I'm not gonna get too sentimental like those yeah. other sticky Valentines. So Costello's raunch, ra- I okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're already, I think we're at least a two out of five oh, already. Yeah. And we're not even out of the first verse. The... Band that he formed after this album and that plays on the subsequent albums, The Attractions, one of their proposed original names was The Sticky Valentines. I'm really, really glad they dodged that bullet. Uh, Yeah, that wouldn't have aged well. No, no, that wouldn't have aged well. It also just is like, I don't know, it's just so, so uncomfortable. It's vulgar, yeah. It's, It's quite, you know, again... Again, I'm glad you're here because I did not, I don't, I just didn't think it was that gross, but I guess it is. I mean, I I guess you know,
1: I mean, I guess it's a different level from like custard pie by Led Zeppelin, but like. I mean, the the next, did he leave your pretty fingers lying in the wedding cake? Like, maybe.
0: (sighs) I guess. Like, I just, I took that literally. I I, I see you've got a
1: yeah. Well, I see you've got a husband now to leave your pretty fingers lying in the wedding cake.
2: Well, see you got a
1: husband
2: now. Did You leave your pretty fingers lying in the wedding cake. You used to hold him right in your hand. I bet I took all...
1: Like, yeah, yeah, did he leave you there? But yeah, also, yeah, yeah. like, are you masturbating now? Because he's not...
0: Wow! <laughs> you know, because he's not giving it to you. Wow!
1: You know? Been... any he... Any
0: ideas can be broached when two men sit around a microphone. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Anything my, can happen. Uh, you know, my uh, Keep
1: tuning in. My lady friend Alice. Um Hello, Alice. she can attest to the to the crudeness. I mean she hops in on it a lot of time. But we de- I, we definitely are always looking for a nice double entendre. So
0: wow. I am learning so much, so much right now. So musically, this song, I feel like Again, I feel like with so many of these songs, you can kind of point to clear influences. Yeah. I could totally hear an Al Green like doing oh, yeah. this song or something like that. Linda Ronstadt actually recorded a really good version of it. Oh, nice. She's actually she's covered a, at least two or three Costello songs and has done a really good job with all of them. There is a song by The Spinners.
1: I'm not familiar with The Spinners. Um,
0: one of like seven mid to late 70s funk R&B and they have a song called Ghetto Child and he modeled that Allison, I know this world is killing you oh. that's modeled on I think so we
1: Like a long, it's along cadence.
0: those lines it's the same kind of cadence and same kind of sort of rhythm of it the other thing, thing that's interesting about this song which i never thought of and according to costello he never thought of but apparently a lot of people did at the time that they thought
1: i think i read this part They thought it was a murder about ballad. murder <laughs> i know this world, know is, this killing
0: world is killing you yeah. i never took it literally i just literally i i just thought it was like I yeah, was- we've all, like, yeah, this world is, we all, you know, what is it, William S. Burrow says, life's a killer. Like, but we know, like, you're clearly in bad shape. You're in, your things are not going great. Yeah. But there's this, and then there'll be some songs that come up on this year's model where people start to kind of throw the accusation of him being a misogynist or sexist in these songs. And again, I feel like, yeah, they're, but, like, I... I don't see that at all here. I can... I think there's definitely some, like... Because even, like, like, murder ballads, which, again, he'll get more into country and bluegrass yeah. later on in his, in his career, and he's written some dark songs about I love you, I want to possess you, I want to kill you, like, songs. He's he's written things like that, but they've never been... First of all, you never get the idea that, like, this is a smart way to think or act in any yeah, of his I, songs. Like, there's never, like... Com- like I condone this point of view it's like this is a point of view of like a crazy person I just I don't I see this as like a character study and and I feel like murder ballads are like I love this person so badly that I picked up this stick and beat him to death with it like like this is not that song like
1: no one else will love this person yeah yeah
0: yeah. people say like they they cite one of my favorite sometimes I
2: wish that I could stop you from talking when i hear the silly things that you say i think somebody better put out the big light cuz i can't stand to see you this way
0: people are like like, she's, like he's like cupping like her mouth so she can like s- like
1: like snuffing her life yeah, out yeah
0: but you i'm just like what i feel like that's like that's that thing where you see somebody and you feel so embarrassed for them when yeah. they're like, they're it, making it, a fool of themselves like, and you wish you could be like, no, please. And I wish somebody would put out the big light. It's, it's like, not like, so I can do something sinister in the dark. I feel like it's like, I wish, like, I wish that I would, like do yourself a favor, quit while you're ahead. Yeah. And I wish, do we really need an audience for this? Cause when people like, you know, what is it? Uh, desperation is like a, is, was it like an ugly cologne? The idea of just pe- people being like leaning in and looking closer and you're like, no, yeah. oh, please, this this is somebody having a very bad night. We do not need this attention. That's how I always interpreted it. I, I just never thought of this as a serial killer song. I've listened to enough Nick Cave that I'm I was like, saying. <laughs> I, I,
1: when you were talking murder songs, I thought Nick Cave. Um... Yeah.
0: Well, he has an album called Murder Battle. Yeah, that's yeah. true.
1: That's true. Um, yeah, I think putting out the big light it makes me think of someone on stage who's bombing yeah. and let's just you know, like exactly cut the cut the light mm-hmm. pull the curtains Dude, yeah.
0: yeah, please do them a favor where you when you watch like a a train wreck of a social interaction or something it's yeah. just like oh like please can we yeah. just just yeah. step away from it like it's so
1: it's cringe. Yeah. It's yeah, that's to me I it's...
0: think at first he's like the first verse is like Oh, like look here, you at like here's where you're at. Yeah. Second one is like, hey, weren't you married? It's almost like like a high school reunion thing where it's like, weren't you married? Yeah, I heard like, oh, that like went. Oh no, that didn't go well. Oh. Like, and then it's like she's like, you know, this person knocking back like the spike punch, yeah. and they're like, and you're like, oh no, please, like this is this is gonna get so much worse before it gets better. That's how I interpret
1: that yeah i i kind of see this as like so i do pick up i think costello seems intelligent enough to know what he's doing despite that some people could could interpret these songs as being maybe incel adjacent listen i'm I'm a good guy and i think the oh allison my aim is true is like a cocky way of like look these bad boys aren't going to do it for you like look yeah. i'm i'm the right type of guy but i think the whole album is already showing that's the pro, that's I mean, that's for a whole nother conversation with oh yeah
0: i mean this is going to be an ongoing topic yeah in, like with in in this art podcast.
1: with art creating fictional characters allows the artist to explore personalities they would not normally explore but at the same oh, yeah, time absolutely. the wrong person hears it and they could take it as this sure. or that and i think that's again the blurred line of just art in general
0: so it's so interesting i mean i think it's it there i'd be a liar if there isn't a little bit of costello where there are a couple of songs where it feels like as you say incel adjacent yeah in that it's like these guys don't really get what's going yeah. on
1: they don't like you how i like you
0: the one thing i there's a couple of things i'll say t- I'll, I'll say one thing in in validation of of that and that it can be misinterpreted. And then I'll say one thing that I feel like is is against it. One of the first people I met in my 20s who was an Elvis Costello fan was a guy who I worked with at this job where I was teaching swim lessons and I was lifeguarding. And he was one of the maintenance guys. And he talked about how he was a big Costello fan. He saw him on like the Armed Forces Tour. It was called the Armed Funk Tour. And how it was like everybody was like coked out of their minds. And there's a song called "Green Shirt on Armed Forces. It's the one that's got the snare drum It's like And how everybody would was so high that everybody clapped like right at the right time and everything. And I was like, oh, okay. And how, I then saw the way he treated a lot of people who worked with us and in particular he treated some of the women we worked with to the point that his behavior got him fired. And I almost, it was one of these things where it was like, oh no, you're that Elvis Costello (laughs)
1: fan, like life warned me about. You're the character he wrote about. You're the
0: character that he wrote about and you're like, you're the character we wrote about and and you got it all wrong. You got it so wrong.
1: Yeah, so we're actually about to call him right yeah. now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, and so at the same time, I thought to the opposite of that. Um, I remember there was a Rolling Stone magazine where they had a bunch of people write, they called it, I think, like the Immortals series. And it was a bunch of people writing about like the artists that they love. Like the Beastie Boys wrote about like Lee Scratch Perry. Dang. Um, Dave Grohl wrote about Led Zeppelin, like things like that. And of all people, Liz Fair wrote about Elvis Costello. And Liz Fair is somebody who I like deeply see an influence of Costello yeah. on, especially something like Exile and Guyville. Like her songs oh, that's about, a de- that's like, a
1: debut too right that's a exactly
0: that's a debut album and that's also an answer to exile on main street an album which has its share of very problematic lyrics misogyny and just oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah absolutely they even dropped the M bomb on the that album it's uh so she has a, she is a like well that's the like you know we can debate the rolling stones another time she has this quote which is when i was a teenager it was a career aim for many of my friends To have a song written about them by elvis costello his songs about women and girls are devastating like arrows to the heart there are very few artists who can depict a woman's life her desires and her failings like he can most rock songs about women are from the outside looking in they say babe you're so hot come sleep with me elvis's songs say i see you and i know what you're doing he catches us at our tricks and that's thrilling now that is just one, yeah. one person's interpretation of that, but that's from a songwriter who I truly respect uh, and whose work I really respect. And so I've always kind of taken that to heart in that I feel like there's a lot there that is that is covered that's honest. Yeah. Even if, again, like he says, this is pop music. So... I still think it's a it's an amazing song. I think it's fantastic. I think it has such a. I used to not really like it. I always thought it was kind of like almost elevator music sounding until I really? listened to
1: yeah. Because I just thought it was kind of. I love it. Th- this is the one that I will probably come back to. This is the one I put on like a night driving playlist. This is Oh, the one this is that... a great. This is a
0: great night drive. Yeah, like yeah. Like sure. I'm
1: driving, but like home. But well, maybe like tonight I'm gonna drive. Yeah. Um back to the city and like I feel like this would be a good as I'm going through the mountains. Absolutely. For sure. Track. I think I I
0: think it's awesome the lead guitar, but I think what happened is I listened to more R&B and soul music and learned the appreciation that comes uh, or the appreciation for songs that are slowed down mm-hmm. that have an easier tempo to it. And I really love, I think like, like the warm, like kind of organ or keyboards on it is really great. The lead guitar is so like... there's more to it it's more tasteful and actually more thought out than i thought it was and i now kind of appreciate it as a classic it is and what's interesting is to think of it really as an r&b song more so than a rock song or like a rock ballad because when i've seen him in concert he's done things like mix it in with like you really got a hold on me And he'll, like, do, like, a middle section of You Gotta Hold On Me. And then he'll do a verse. And then he'll do another slow, like, Smokey Robinson or Temptation song. And then he'll go back to and finish out the third verse. And it kind of does take its place in the pantheon of, like, just great, great R&B songs. At least I think so.
1: Um, Do you think people dance to this at their weddings? I'd be curious... If they do. It's like, I, it's one of those songs where maybe people aren't listening to the lyrics and it's like, this is a beautiful well, song. It's it funny, says someone's name. It's
0: funny. You say that because because you
1: dance to this was you and Alex's <laughs> it's
0: not the song that my wife and I dance to. No, but it's funny. Cause he talks about how sometimes people don't entirely listen to the lyrics of his songs there's a song on the album blood and chocolate and it's, it's one of his i think it's one of his best songs he's ever written great it's combination called, too it's called blood and chocolate delicious Had some on the way over called i want you and it is like one of the mo- creepiest like deranged i mean that is a song where like, you're like, like like
1: um like stings
0: um Every breath, Every breath you take. take yeah. A little bit. A little bit, yeah. I mean, we could do as much time as we've talked about Allison, we could talk about I Want You. And he's like, some people have that as their wedding song. And it's like, there's lines in it where it's like, uh, I want you. I want to know he pleases you more than I do. Oh, yeah. I want you. It's this song that like, just builds and builds and builds. Oh, Fiona Apple does like a devastating cover yeah. of it. It's really, really good. But... We will cover that when we get to Blood so and it, Chocolate. It's a cuck song. Uh, kind of. It yeah. is kind of. Cuck core? <laughs> Elvis Costello, father of cuck core. Um, <laughs> good lord. All right.
1: Allison, bona fide classic. Bona fide five so out of five. Five,
0: uh, five out of five from Ronch Factor. Yeah, my aim is true. Okay. Yeah. My aim is true. Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. All
1: right. It was awesome when I went to your, when I used a restroom, it was true there. I want you to know I didn't (laughs) miss or anything. (laughs) You heard it here first. All right. So
0: next track, Sneaky Feelings. Sneaky feelings, sneaky feelings. You can't let those kind of feelings show. (laughs) You can see the broad grin on your face. (laughs) So again, I feel like this is kind of part of like a trio of songs which are like, like it's like the pub rock trio of this album, which is Miracle Man, Sneaky Feelings, and a song we'll talk about later, Pay It Back, which are all kind of, they're at this kind of mid-tempo, mm-hmm. do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do, you know, yeah. um, kind of very simple songs. And it really kind of is the thing, they work so well, and they're just so charming. And it's actually, songs like this are going to be so rare for the next like at least nine years of his career. He's never going to play something again as like jaunty and as happy in a kind of organic, like you're in the room d- with d- the d- band, d- d- yeah, kind of like jaunty swing. This is, jaunty is the word that keeps coming to mind as a like jangle for sneaky, a little bit of jangle, jangle uh, rock. There used to be some jangle rock a little bit.
1: Does he? Start to after this album use the studio as an instrument.
0: Well, so he always says that this record is just people playing in a room. Okay. And it's literally like it's a room probably as big as the room we're in right now, maybe a little bit bigger. Which is this for, for, is for like people a, at
1: home, this is like.
0: This is like what like a seven by ten. I'm like a oh. really small room. All he had was like um, one of those vocal screens, those like plastic screens, yeah, and a vocal mic, and he was basically, as he said, he was like pinned against the wall with his guitar, like he was lying against the wall, and like the Ooh. the mic is in front of his face, and he's singing into it. So, it's the tracks tend to bleed onto each other. So he says, watching watching the detective is just the first song that he actually like used the studio as an instrument. He says, like, that was production. Everything before this was just playing music in a room. Okay. So I would say, yeah, there is a definite distinct sound on this year's model, the next album, which is subtle. And then Armed Forces goes full into kind of heavy synth keyboardy territory. Get Happy is really this kind of, it's like soul music recorded in a echo chamber kind of a thing. And, yeah, yeah, he definitely starts to get more into the production of things. This is, again, like, recorded in, uh like, 11 hours over three, like, three and a half to four-hour sessions. Like, that's it. There was, there was barely any time for overdubs, like, at all. Probably used all his PTO. Yeah, yeah, he burned away that Elizabeth Arden PTO. And it you know, probably first takes. Again, that's why they were rehearsing at Headley Graham. I mean, so it, that they it, could just go in and knock it out. Like, it
1: sounds raw. Very like, raw. Which I I like. And that. the other
0: I like it too. I love the sound of this album. And I think the other thing is it's yeah, it's not really until he gets to an album like Trust, which is his fifth album, or King of America, which is like his eighth or ninth album, where it's actually like, I wanna capture the sound of these musicians in a room together. It's sort of like, let's create the room. Yeah. And he has, and it's like, also like once he has the attractions, it's like the band is so good. They're so incredibly talented that it's like, he doesn't have to worry about them. So he can, you can go for more of a produce feel. Yeah,
1: he can experiment a little bit. Exactly,
0: exactly. And the thing with this too is what makes this album sound so great is it's a lot of, there's a lot of bleed. There's a lot of the drum track coming onto the guitar track, coming onto the vocal track. There's coming again. Um, And uh, (laughs) (laughs) this is a record about coming. If you ain't coming, you're going. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. And this song comes and goes rather quickly. It's pretty yeah, I, pretty easygoing, pretty out the door. It's it's kinda of forgettable, but it, it's nice. It's catchy. Yeah, it's it quite, always puts me in a good mood. Yeah, there's
1: just some like straight up like kind of syrupy sweet melodies going on and oh, yeah. on this track or on this album. And I think for me those moments were just like I could kinda of go into autopilot a little bit. Like, yeah. like there's not too Especially much after Allison, which yeah. is a pretty heavy oh, yeah. song. Yeah. This one is like pretty straightforward in regards to what it means
0: again i feel like like blaming on kane it serves the purpose on the album of picking things up what this song also kind of brings to mind is we were talking about van morrison earlier Mm -hmm. he and you were saying about how it's not very punk it's kind of almost post-punk yeah his inspiration for the tempo for this album is a van morrison album called his uh i think his band in the street choir Mm
1: -hmm. which
0: is like it's like this maybe the album right after Moondance. It's the one that has Domino on it. Whoa, whoa, Domino. Say
1: it.
0: Um, I, w- I I will, whether you like it or not. We we might
1: have to have like a Van Morris, because I do not oh, have a dude. lot of Van Morris. Yeah, in. yeah, yeah.
0: Well, suffice it to say, there's a lot of songs on it that are like that are this tempo. Okay. And like for the song I always think of with Pay It Back is there's a track called Blue Money. On it where it's like the tempo is literally like do 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 you know, Van's doing his like his blue eyed soul like yeah. thing. And it's like that is very much the tempo and you're like, Okay, I can see how you listen to a song like Blue Money and you came up with pay it back. Uh, yeah.
1: I mean it's got some it's got some good lines in it. You got the yeah, lyrics I, pulled up, yeah, right? Yeah, I a line that I like is I like the how inexperienced it makes like the lovers out to be. Like. Wait, no, I was
0: I was quoting Pay It Back, which is the other song after this, but oh, it, you're yeah, right, it yeah. is Sneaky yeah, Feelings. See, right? Jesus yeah. Christ. I'm sorry, folks. talking um, about the wrong song. Um yeah. but yeah, no, Sneaky Feelings is great.
1: Yeah, though like but I've got I've still got a long way to go.
0: I like to get right
1: the way I feel for you, but I still got a long way to go. In regards to I like to get right through the way I feel for you. And then that yeah. kind of contrasts with, uh, but the magic of the moment might become too much for you. So yeah. it's like that kind yeah, of yeah. Like, awkwardness. Now we so. can sit like lovers staring in each other's eyes. We can sit like lovers
2: staring in each other's eyes, but the magic of the moment might become too much for
0: you. But the magic of the moment might become... Okay, so Raunch Factor. Not
1: kind, no? kind of wholesome. Still got a long way yeah. to go? Yeah. I um... can't look
0: you in the eye. <laughs>
1: I, I feel like... you're corrupting me. I feel like you you're could, you're corrupting me. You sick, sick man. I see ranch's nuance.
0: Fair enough,
1: <laughs> nuance ranch. Beyond believers, the
0: place for nuanced
1: Nuance ranch. The blitz. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I that would be I, our I, genre of music would be nuance ranch. Nuance ranch. <laughs> um it's dirty with a brain with a brain i do like i, I just like how sweet and innocent this song feels like yeah. i I, th- I think what you're saying contrasting with allison this is a song that you need to pick me up yeah it's just like a nice um it's like a nice strawberry starburst it's popping it your oh, mouth yeah, yeah, yeah. eat it it's gone you know you know the next one's gonna be good Strawberry's but not,
0: the pink one right yeah yeah
1: strawberry okay. red Top tier flavors.
0: Oh, for sure. Absolutely. 100%. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. I think we can move on.
0: And move on we will, friends. Into next week's episode, in which Aaron and I will discuss side two of Elvis Costello's 45 years young debut, My Aim is True. This is Pat Brennan, and I hope we meet again soon between your ears.